Welcome to Hunter and Craft Radio. Hey everyone, Chad McCaffrey here, back with another episode of Hunter and Craft Radio. On this episode, I sat down with Hesse Jones. Hesse's a former Yahoo and Citibank exec, the author of Evolve, Marketing As We Know It Is Doomed, and the founder and CEO of AR Company, where her and her team focus on the future of work, big data, and the impact of social and analytics on the enterprise. This is a great chat, full of a number of key takeaways. We dig into her book and the process of writing it, what it was like becoming an entrepreneur after being an employee most of her career, and as always, thoughts on productivity and resources to help you get the most out of your days. I know you guys are going to love this one. Here's Hesse. All right, Hesse, welcome to the show. Hello, I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, we like to kick things off, just a little bit of context for the listeners. Um, just give a little bit of background on yourself and, you know, where you came to be where you are today. Okay, so my background is advertising, marketing, direct mail. So I understand the whole one-to-one thing. And so I was doing that for about uh, eight to 10 years before I actually headed into digital. So when you were younger, probably when when you were 10 or something, um, I went into digital. That was like 1999. And I've been there for about 15 years. And it started with, with banking, interestingly enough, when they were pouring in close to, let's say, $10 million a year in direct mail, um, I came in and they said, we need to get into this internet thing. So I had to figure out how to do acquisition, card acquisition through the internet. And that was the time when um, uh, Google, uh, there was no bidding system for Google. So we owned credit card for two years. But I also owned a lot of loan losses because we didn't figure out in the bank how to structure Mm -hmm. for credit card acquisition, realizing that right right at that point, it was the pinnacle of um, the wild, wild west. Yeah. And so everybody and their brother and every fraudster out there was applying for credit cards. So it was it was one of those times that was scary and yet exciting. So That's awesome. And uh, so shortly after that, I actually went to Yahoo because yeah. uh, the banks were actually much slower to adopt digital and I was getting frustrated. So I went to Yahoo and that was the first time I actually delved into a pure technology company and realized what innovation really, really was all about. And that was the time when I actually um, adopted social. I, I dove in, launched Answers in Canada, figured out how hard it was to actually um, build community mm-hmm. and uh, understood the dynamics of how people relate to one another online. And after that, I just wanted to learn. And, and I learned through startups, through agency, how to do all that. And um, so I stayed in it forever until I realized that, you know what, there's something more than just Facebook and Twitter. And I knew that with all the information that was out there in blogs and all that, that, that this big data they needed to, we need to filter out what was in that noise mm-hmm. and to really make sense of it. And so now I what I essentially did was kind of leave all that social stuff behind and, and really try to focus on really understanding what was in all those, all the data. And so that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So I guess just really quickly, maybe you can talk about our company and I think, you know, obviously founding the, the sure. business, like 
obviously that led you to it, but what sort of was the, that was the pinnacle of kind of going on your own route, I guess, right? Right. Well, I, when I decided to go off on my own, I knew, I knew that the, the next wave of social really was integration of social within the organization. So operationalizing it, I didn't know how far away it was, but I, we did it anyway. It, it turned out that in the first year of trying to sell this thing, nobody really understood it. They're still trying to figure out social let alone social uh, business. So we had to quickly change gears within a year and, and just really focus on the, the, the business intelligence. Um, while, while we were saying at some point in time, the minute you start adopting technology, it will enable you to become a lot more social mm-hmm. as an organization. And so uh, that's, that's where we are at this point. And I think what's going to happen is that we're going to come full circle and realize that we're actually selling now the concept of social business. So, yeah, I definitely like that topic close mm-hmm. to me as well. Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about that. So just I guess with, you work with a lot of large organizations, certainly came from the enterprise. Like, what are you seeing right now? Because I know a big topic today will be sort of future work and, you know, sort of operationalizing, as you right. said. But what are you kind of seeing right now in that space for the enterprise? Like, what, what kind of problems are they facing around certainly big data that, that you're helping? They're, the one thing that I'm seeing, and, and this it's – it's organizations, but it's also big agencies, is that there's still this silo mentality. Um, that there's a shedding of, let's say, old practices, old media, old processes. But what they're also seeing is, is that it takes friggin' long to take things to market. Um, they're not as responsive. They're, they're trying to figure out why their competitors are a lot, lot more responsive. Um, and they're just doing things the old way because because management continues to foster the old practices. And so they are actually in a, in a position where they want to retrain themselves into thinking a little bit more innovatively or even just to keep current. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is one-on-one training, yeah. education, what's going on in media, what's going on with how consumers are actually evaluating content or consuming content and how that's impacting everything around them so it's all that yeah that's and that's a big topic and i think that the whole it's crazy to see some of the companies right you're trying to scale it's always all scale 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 and, and a lot of people kind of this foundational stuff you and i've talked a lot about where it's sort of setting that footing and being able to kind of operationalize the data right you, now you can capture this data you can see what's happening but how do you actually extend that right. across a lot of people and certainly with hierarchies and the whole changing of the guard, which we'll talk about right. the generational stuff. But maybe we can dig into, I know you were awesome post lately. We were talking a lot about um, related to technology influencing the workplace and, you know, digital fluency as one sort of key part of that. Maybe mm-hmm. you can just elaborate a little bit more on kind of that digital fluency piece. For yeah. Me. Well, I, I think it's when you talked about the changing of the guard, mm-hmm. that's really what it is. Yeah. It's, it's that first of all, I think that the, the basis of digital fluency is hardware, <laughs> making sure that you have the systems um, to to make sure that things are running, right? things are running fast. Um, it's it's where you store your information. Are you in the cloud? A lot of companies still aren't, right? And so that that that's what makes it really really difficult, not only to communicate but get things uh, fast, make decisions much faster. The other part of it is what people are realizing. This is why there's this whole big uh, interest in millennials is that. Um, Millennials want to be connected. Mm-hmm. There's there's this connection. Um, they want they want uh, the the 
most up-to-date software out there to enable the connections. They, they want to be able to, to use mobile within the workplace. They want the flexibility to do all that. And so companies have to enable that as well. Um, so that's a big part of it because a lot of startups like, like yours as well understand the value of Slack. They understand that that email needs to be mitigated at some point in order to, to get the people that are going to make a decision, able to make a decision um, within the right environment. And then the third part of it is, is really brand identity mm-hmm. and companies realizing that people are people and and the whole surge of social, I think we had talked about this earlier, about trying to constrain people um, with with their personal stuff doesn't really work at, um, when when they go to work. They're going to do it anyway. Like for, for a long time, I used to work at a bank. And so um, they would build firewalls so that me as a marketer had to call my agency to say, okay, can you take a screenshot of what's up on Facebook? Because I'm not allowed to... To, to use Hotmail or Facebook or any of those things because because they thought it was a productivity constraint. Now it's it's almost a must, and you can't you're not going to change human nature. Yeah. All you could do is guide it, and so now with the rise of like brand identity, millennials that's just who they are, and you have to be able to embrace it in a way that that allows them to be who they are, but also be advocates for for your own. Um, uh, company and and the thing the messages that you're trying to get across. Yeah, it's a really really cool topic. I think we'll come back to that, dig into it a bit more. But maybe let's 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 jump into the book. So okay. you know, evolve. Obviously, the process of writing a book is super fascinating to me. I think you know, tell me maybe we'll start with that. Like, what what did it what was it like? To, what was the process like to get that started in terms of even just getting going on starting writing? A book? You know, you know what the funny thing is is that I never really intended to write the book. Um, I had been writing blogs since 2008, and you know, my husband laughs at me because I had to take the English course in first year university because my writing was so bad. <laughs> I had really bad grammar. Um, but my my friend Daniel Newman actually contacted me one day, and he had been, I guess, we had been talking for a while, but he, he talked about writing a book with me because he understood, he understood holistically what, or theoretically what how things should be, but he noticed that I had done a lot of the work and had the case studies to to kind of prove it, and so he asked if we could collaborate on developing a book. The nice thing about this book was the fact that we had written a lot of it already through our blog, so it was was a way to actually just take everything that we had done and weave it into a story. So we developed an outline, Um, we collaborated on, on what the main components are were and then we just wrote it um, and uh, within six months we were able to, to find all the topics if we had missed any then he would write it and then bring it to market within eight months so right after Christmas um, we had all the editing everything done as well as the book jacket and we brought it to market in January of this year That's so awesome. it's kind of cool yeah so maybe I guess we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes we'll get make sure everyone gets it on Amazon picks it up, but uh, maybe just give everyone a little bit of preface, like a little bit what it's about overall, high level. The uh, So it's called Evolve Marketing as we know it is due. From a sales perspective, we just put in, in small brackets um, as we know it, because marketing is doomed in, in very much the traditional sense, because companies have always controlled the message. They mm-hmm. kind of picked their markets, they did everything where they knew that if they would... If, 
they built it, then the customer would come. Um, but with the rise of social media and technology, um, it enabled consumers to to kind of communicate. And so this set two-way communication is, was established. We went from a world of mass communication to a world of mass communicators yeah. with people trusting more the communicators as opposed to the establishment. So um, the what, what that means is that now marketers can't necessarily garner the attention of consumers. They have to figure out new ways of, of not only building value, but but now building sales and building trust. Companies, can, and even banks, used to be able to say, once we have you and you have an account, we can have you for life because now you have a mortgage, now you have debt and all that stuff. But the reality is it's now easier than ever to switch from one bank to another. So how do you continue to keep the attention of a consumer when when you're also vulnerable to uh, bad stuff and reputational risk and all yeah. that stuff. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's really great. I think, you know, it ties back to a lot of what we were just talking about. Certainly the digital fluency, kind of the groundswell, grassroots sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly in our business and in general, I really, really enjoy that topic and talking about certainly how they generate the new generations coming in, right? And it's it's overused term, you know, millennials and that sort of thing, but it's super true. The reality is that people in certainly in my generation are coming into more of these senior roles, certainly in larger organizations too. And so you're having this sort of political change of the guard like we talked about. And then obviously even the younger generation is even more digital native uh, to apps and to, you know, they're eight years old on iPhone pluses and <laughs> it's, it's amazing to see, you know, what's happening there and it's fascinating, but Maybe we'll, we'll take a step back from that again and go into, tell me a bit about the consulting practice. So, okay. you know, I personally started there in my career and I, I really do like helping people. I like the service side of business in many ways, but what has that been like, I guess, you know, going, you know, building that up and sort of being out there and, and sort of hustling in that sense. Is mm-hmm. that, was that something that's, it's, it, tell people a bit about that because I know that's interesting. It would, well, I have been an employee my whole life. Yeah. So deciding to, to go and develop my own business is really hard because I tell everybody I'm a marketer, I'm not a salesperson, right? And so, uh, okay, you're not going to get me to pick up the phone. You're not going to get me to cold call anybody because that's just not what I do. Um, I think it's embarrassing. <laughs> but then, so I started reading Daniel Pink's book, yeah. uh, to, to Sell as Human, Great and I realized, you know what, I could do this. I said, but I don't have to necessarily sell to people I don't know. I can sell to my friends, and that's how I did it. But, but the, the thing that kicked in really, really early on in the business was when I realized that, wait a minute, I'm waiting for a paycheck that usually comes every two weeks. What's happening here? It's not. And then so I realized that um, building a business meant that you are the salesperson, you're the secretary, you are, you are the janitor, you do everything. And it was friggin' hard. And it's still hard. And this is three years in. But the one thing, the one reason that I stick with it is that it gives me the flexibility to be with my kids. Yeah. And one thing that I realized was that in all those years that I was working for the man, I actually lost touch with my family because I am a chronic workaholic. I just admitted that. And um, I love work and I love doing new things and all that. And in the process, I keep forgetting that there are some people behind me that, you know, I tend to forget it, forget about. So 
what this does, it constantly keeps them in my sight and it keeps my priorities in check. And it keeps me in control of my own destiny in, in many respects. That's really cool. It kind of leads into, I mean, we like, we talk, we talk a lot on this podcast about productivity and balance and all these things. I think that, you know, I can give a personal story very quickly too. Obviously my first child is on the way, you know, Congrats. my son's coming in February this year and you know, just in my own head, it's a major, major change. And I think certainly um, an amazing one. I'm mm -hmm. super excited about it. But thinking into what it just made me think about when you were talking about that, certainly that kind of balance. And I'm the same way. Me and you definitely are similar. And I I work a lot just for, you know, whether that's even just reading or sort of spending time on, you know, that, that work, the work elements is something that I struggle to get away from. And so I think with, you know, the balance of your family and the things that you you know, you need to get away from that. And I think that's something I'm working on personally. And so maybe that's, I definitely wanted to ask you a bit about that because I mm -hmm. think, you know, balance, like how do you, how do you stay balanced? How do you stay productive? I think, you know, running the business, being able to see the family is right. one thing, but how outside of like, how do you try and get away from, you know, uh, the business? I've, um, a, a good friend of mine actually back in June sent me some tapes and, and don't laugh at this, but they were Tony Robbins <laughs> tapes <laughs> And he said, just listen to them. It, it'll allow you to focus a little bit. And I, I spent 21 days, and the only time I could really do it was very early in the morning. So I, yeah. I spent the first 21 days, one hour every morning, going through the exercises, listening to him about refocusing my life, figuring out where I wanted to be, and, and how to stay motivated. Like, it, it, it brought so much, um, you know, focus in my own life that I started doing things like uh, having gratitude every morning, being thankful for my family, my health, everything, and, and, and realizing that um, my family was more important and taking the time to meditate. Yeah. Meditate just so I could clear my head and I could yeah. get rid of the stress and, and taking the time to do the things I hated um, and, but doing it well and trying to force myself to say, okay, you hate this part, but if you turn your thinking around to say you really like it, then there's a way, there's a way you can get through it. And also like one, one of the things that I do is cello. I, I'm very, I'm yeah, not good at it at all. Um, but, but I like doing it because it calms my nerves mm -hmm. and yes, it, 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 it hurts me every single time. And it pains me to, to play in front of people because it's the most embarrassing thing in the world, but I do it because it's another thing I can get through and it's another accomplishment. It's getting um, out of your I, comfort zone. Exactly. And that, I think that's the thing with, with everything that we're doing. And even what, what you realize is that, you know, it, getting out of your comfort zone, pushing the limits, doing everything that you think is right for you leaves a legacy. And if you, you're always fearing something, it's good to come overcome that fear by just doing it. Mm -hmm. And I try to do that every day. Um, just kind of be honest with yourself and just say, it's, there's, n there's nothing that you can overcome. That's really great. Yeah, I know. That's, that's amazing takeaways for, for those listening, definitely. I think, you know, I can definitely punch in on that, too. I've, uh, lately, I think I talked about this in our last podcast, actually, but I'll, I'll say it again. From, uh, for your benefit, the, the five-minute journal um, is something that I've taken on the last couple months. And I can't even tell you how much it's helped me in that area and just to bring a little bit more clarity to what that is. It's a, it's a journal that you can find online, five minute journal.com. I'll link to it in the show notes as well. But the, uh, 
idea is exactly you said gratitude and uh it's simple you know you get up it's morning and then at night so you write what you're grateful for uh you write what make today great affirmations you know that you're you're going to go out the day well and obviously you do that early in the morning uh, i've been working on that too i think for me it's such a perfect time you know getting up as early as you can depending on you know how, what your day to day to day is like but again that time before say 8 a.m for me is just like that's quiet that's like think time and really important to me and so i went through this now exercise for in the last six eight weeks with this journal where it's really simple it's not like full-on journaling but it's mm-hmm. it's a reflection and it's looking at here's here's those things for the day and then at the end of the day you do the night and so it's it's you know morning and night and you look at it's a reflection back to your day what what happened today that was great sort of the positive outlook and it's a gratitude and now being able to look back at you know six weeks worth of that is just so so amazing for your own head because you forget and your brain can only you know process so much when you're in meetings and you're doing a lot of stuff so accomplishment and just like confidence and conviction all those things that help you in your day-to-day job uh certainly in the startup environment or whatnot but for me, it's been huge, and I can't say enough about it. I think it really ties into how I stay balanced and how um, I push on a lot of people, certainly people on the post team here. I'm like, right, hey, right, hey right. everyone get this. Um, we went and picked up some copies and whatnot. But um, it's, it's, it's exactly it's good, that. It's good for your mental. I guess in a lot of ways, it's uh, making sure that you prioritize yourself and your health, right? Because you're not going to be at peak productivity if you're stressed all the time and the minute you start pushing off the journal and the gratitude is is the time when you should be worried because suddenly your health is at risk and uh, to me you're you're, especially me who's getting older like I have to be I have to maintain my health right and uh, the priority is always you know how could I do this better and if you take the time to think if you take the time to be thankful it's amazing how the brain triggers all that good stuff mm-hmm. and it clears the way for, for any kind of stress, migraine, all that stuff. It, it's, it's just awesome. gone. Yeah, it's routines. And uh, we talked a lot right. about that. It's a big focus definitely with this is, is productivity routines, trying to really tease out that stuff certainly mm-hmm. from, from great people that do a lot of things. And, you know, it's tough. Like you're, there's just a ton going on and sort of taking that step back, hitting that pause button, kind of talked about that quite a bit where it's like, you know, pause, reflect, look back, and that really fuels, you know, your routines for the days coming, upcoming and, and what that's actually going to do for your productivity and certainly your success and whatever it is. So very cool. Um, you know, we, talk, we like to talk a little about resources, you know, for you. I know you're a very resourceful person and, and certainly maybe it's maybe it's books, maybe it's blogs you can point people to. What's some stuff we can, you know, link to for the, for the listeners they can check out? The, so for me, like I, I guess a lot of my learning um, when I first started down the road of social business came from Dave Gray and the Connected Company. He, um, when I first was thinking about doing starting this business, I attended the Social Business Summit back in God, 2011. And uh, he was the first guy that started talking about it in a great way. And uh, so I can t- I actually haven't finished the book. <laughs> I'm still reading it, but it's probably I'm, I'm probably halfway through. But I read him. I ta- I mentioned Daniel Pink. Yeah. To sell as human is is huge. Um, Adam Grant, who wrote Give and Take, is cool. He's because, a warden professor, I believe, right? Yeah. yeah I love and that stuff. I the reason I I gravitate towards him. A friend of mine had given me his book. Uh, was because I realized that, you know what, there, there is value in actually helping people. 
And I always thought that I could be trampled on. My husband told me my middle name should be Matt, actually, because I have <laughs> way too many people and I don't get anything in return. But I, I think there's an inherent value of, of, of just giving because that's what you're designed to do. And I, I do it because I, I lo love it. But at the end of the day, there, you will reap the rewards. And the, the takers will be the ones to, to realize that, you know what, what they've been doing their whole lives will come back to them some karmic effect but um this this book continues to, to help nurture like what i do and um, the more i share the more i reap the benefits I, i'm seeing that today so very cool well why don't we um you know we can finish this off I'll always love to um point people to where they can find you online certainly uh, you know you write on your blog you have our company site you know maybe right. you just let people know where they can best uh, connect with you uh they could Connect with me on Twitter at Hesse Jones, H-E-S-S-I-E-J-O-N-E-S. -E -E um, I'm on Facebook as well. If they, I'm the only Hesse in the world, from my understanding. <laughs> I think uh, there is there was one that was 98 years old, but when I started doing more content, she, she her ranking on Google went way down. So um, I am the whole only Hesse Jones in the world, and I think it, so. Our company blog, he said, and I also write for Switch and Shift Talent Culture. And Huffington Post once in a while. So. Very cool. Well, I'll definitely make sure to link to all that stuff okay. in the show notes. Really appreciate you coming on. It's been an awesome conversation. Thank and, you uh, for having me. We'll see you soon. Okay.